January 10th and 11th, I was one of four girls that was involved in the death of Shandashir. I didn't know Melinda. I'd only met her once before. That night, she was agitated, and she didn't want Shanda around Amanda, and that's what the whole thing was about. She was going to beat her up. It was going to be Melinda teaching Shanda a lesson to leave Amanda alone. Just picture being in a love triangle at such a young age that you don't know exactly what that entails. How crazy it can be when someone else is involved with someone that you're involved with and they become so super jealous and enraged that they want to do anything to get you out of the picture. Well, in this episode, you'll find out just exactly what that entails and how it went down. to another episode of the Murder Games Podcast. So for anyone, if you've been able to pick up in the intro exactly what this case is going to be about, this case uh, will probably be at least a two-parter, maybe a three-parter. It's the first time I've done this, but the resources that i found have great detail um, regarding this case, and I know when I listen to a podcast, a true crime podcast, I want as many details as possible, so I'm just going to bring those uh, into this podcast and uh, give them to you. Hopefully you like it. If not, by all means, just let me know. Um, so I'll just jump right into it because this one will probably be about an hour long. Um, this is the murder of Shander Scherer. Shander Scherer was born on June 6, 1976 to parents Stephen and Jackie in Pineville Community Hospital in Pineville, Kentucky. Both Stephen and Jackie had attended Clarksville High School in Tennessee where she was a sophomore and he was a senior. Being the new girl in school, Jackie caught the eye of Stephen because she was said to have carried herself differently than other girls. Jackie had moved to Clarksville from Jeffersonville with her mother and older sister Debbie due to her parents recently getting a divorce. Jackie's first husband, surprisingly, was Stephen's best friend in high school, Mike Boardman, and they'd all go out on double dates together even though Stephen was said to have had a crush on Jackie. At 16, Jackie got pregnant with her first child, Paige, but she felt she was too young to be a mother and she knew Mike wasn't ready to be a husband or a father due to his young age as well. And Three years later, Jackie was a single mother at the age of 19, 
working multiple jobs just to stay afloat and provide for her child. Although out of high school for a few years at this time, Jackie never did forget about Stephen. Hearing he had moved away and started his own HVAC company in Middlesboro, Kentucky, but was in town for a weekend, they reconnected at a popular nightclub called The Garage Club. After a few drinks and a bunch of catching up, then they ended the night by kissing and rekindling what was kind of already there from high school. They tried for a long distance relationship, but Jackie eventually moved to where Stephen was in Millsboro, Kentucky, and the two got married. Thinking she was living her best life and having Shanda join the already seemingly well-off family, they moved to Indiana what is to be rumored as Jackie missing family or Stephen's HVAC business not doing too well. I don't, they didn't really specify exactly why they moved, but after they moved, things seemed to be, have changed with money being an issue, like most uh, uh, marriages, I feel, which usually led to arguing and more detrimental problems. Paige seemed to suffer from this since Stephen was the only father figure she had known, and Shanda, at this point, was only three. Jackie ended up moving out, and Stephen filed for divorce. Like a lot of families, Stephen and Jackie decided to try and give it another go for the kids. Please, don't ever do this. This is not a good idea. Unless both parents are mature and responsible and things like that, then maybe so, but I know in my, my experience and, you know, just... Things that you've that I've heard, it's not a good idea. This only lasted about a year, year and a half before things got sour again, and she moved out and was a single mother. Both were mature and responsible parents, and the split was amicable. But Jackie received full custody, and Stephen would even get the girls every weekend. Being very independent at a young age, Shanda would want to do everything for herself and was a force to be reckoned with in her own right. She would get very upset when she couldn't do things that she saw her older sister Paige or her parents do because of her small stature and age. Sometime later, Jackie ended up getting married again for the third time to a man named Ronnie Ott, who was 10 years her sophomore. So she's already been married three times. I don't know exactly how old she is at this at this point in time, but um, I don't know what the average amount of times that people get married in their lifetime but I feel like three is a lot um, I'm already down one so we'll see how many I got left in me hopefully no more but we'll see what happens uh, meeting each other at the Churchill Downs a local horse racing track in Louisville where they both were employed Ronnie courted Jackie by showering her and the girls with gifts and tried to show her the life that he could and wanted to give them Shanna began to go to uh, St. Paul Catholic School. Said to be adorable, bubbly, and outgoing, she was quite popular and had a lot of friends. Being on the cheerleading team, the volleyball team, the softball team, Girl Scouts, 4-H, and gymnastics, meanwhile have amazing grades as well. Damn, she does sound pretty amazing. Her friends would say that she was quite the prankster as well and liked to be the center of attention, but overall was a great person and, and an even better friend. Even though she seemed together, Shanda was had a very sensitive side and would often cry easily or get upset if she thought her friends or someone was upset with her. 
Shanda's grandmother, Betty, loved spending time with her and how they'd go to the library where Shanda would have troubles picking out new books because she would have already read almost everything that was there. She loved to read. Betty also said that Shanda would think and even talk about death at a young age, stating she would question what happens after we die and where do we go, as well as what she could do to make sure she went to heaven when she did die. I don't know how old she was at this, but... I know if my kids start talking about that stuff, I'd probably, um, I don't know about asking qu those types of questions, maybe. I guess, I guess that's just all out of curiosity, and kids do have the right to be curious, of course. Um, so I might not think too much of it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I would think in that situation. But Once again, after four years of marriage, Ronnie and Jackie got divorced, claiming that Ronnie would accuse her of cheating and that he would pick fights with her as well as Paige and Shanda. After the divorce, Jackie and Shanda moved to New Albany, Indiana, right across the river from Louisville, and Jackie thought it was perfect was a perfect place for her for a few reasons, such such as Paige, who was nineteen, was now living right across the street with Jackie's sister Debbie, and another reason was was Stephen was only about seven miles away with his new wife and two kids enjoying uh, time spent with them on the weekend still. Unfortunately, uh, Shanda would have to start the year at another new school, this time being in seventh grade at Hazelwood Middle School, which was much larger than any school that she had attended so far. Shanda got so worried about picking out the right outfit because she never really had to do so since her last school had uniforms. Both having doubts about Shanda's first day at the new school, Shanda brought it up to Jackie, worrying if anybody would like her and if she'd make new friends. Being the good mother she was, Jackie told Shanda of course she would make new friends and everyone would like her because she's such an amazing girl. And just to go to bed, get a good night's sleep, and get ready for uh, the, next, the next morning for her first day of school. So the next day comes, Shanda goes to school. She comes home glowing, stating that she made new friends and how everyone was nice to her. But only two days in, Jackie got a call from the principal and was told that Shanda had gotten into a fight and received a weekend in-school suspension. Now, I'm not, I wasn't the most best kid in, uh, in high school or middle school or anything. And I did get um, in-school suspension one time. And if I remember, it was for the dumbest reason. You know how at the beginning of the school year, your teacher would say, you know, what do you, what do you want to be called if you have like a shortened version of your name? Uh, you know, so I would say, hey, I want to be called this. Well, she would call me by my, I would say, I want to be called Danny. She would call me Daniel over and over and over. So I somehow found out what her real name was, her first name was. So when she called me Daniel again, I called her by her. I said, "Okay, first name." And then as soon as as soon as, as soon as I said that, she sent me to the principal's office, and he even chuckled about it, saying, "I've never heard of someone being written up for something like this, but I have to respect your your teacher's wishes, I guess." And gave me an in-school suspension, I think, or Saturday Saturday school maybe it was. Anyways. In-school suspension is basically where you're in school in one room all day doing work from your teachers that they give to whoever runs the in-school suspension, and, the, and then you're there all day. You don't get um, you don't get to do anything besides work and eat eat your lunch. 
Uh, Jackie was very shocked by the news because Shanda had never been in a fight and was always more so of a social butterfly and could cause disturbances in class from talking too much, but could not see her causing a fight. Shanda came home and Jackie was in awe to see that her daughter had a cut, a cut on her cheek and a knot on the back of her head. And Shanda told her mom that she was just talking to a classmate and another girl had told her that she wanted to break up with her boyfriend but was too scared to. Shanda, being a good person, decided to tell the boyfriend for her classmate and after Shanda went to the boyfriend and gave him back a ring that he had given to the classmate, he refused. He refused it and told her that if his girlfriend wanted to break up with him, she could do it to her to his face and, and do it herself. Shana didn't want to disappoint her friend, and so she kind of shoved the ring into his chest, like, no, here, take it. I'm not, this is non-negotiable. But the next thing you know, voices are being raised, and a crowd starts to gather. A 14-year-old, Amanda uh, Heverin, who was a rough-looking tomboy, stepped forward and told Shana to back off and that, that the boyfriend was her cousin. As Shanda tried to make peace, Amanda chest bumped her into a locker, wrestled her down, wrestled her, her down, and started beating her. A teacher broke up the fight and took them to the principal's office to where they were informed that they were going to have the in-school suspension for the next coming week. Amanda didn't mind because she was used to this type of thing, but Shanda, on the other hand, dreaded going home and telling her mother what happened. Shanda believed that she could make things right with Amanda and accepted the punishment of being grounded for a week. Amanda, on the other hand, felt that she had the justification for angst and anger because she had been through an entire, just a, just a lot in her life um, at, at this point. Amanda's father had questions regarding her sexuality, and instead of coming clean, she told her father that she had a boyfriend, when in fact she had a girlfriend, 16-year-old Melinda Loveless. Melinda was described as a very pretty girl who had seen quite a bit of terrible things in her life as well. When she was nine, her father Larry let her mother Margie be assaulted by multiple men against her will and she tried to drown herself. Margie then wouldn't let Larry touch her for a month and in time he forced himself onto her assaulting her while Melinda and her other sisters watched. In 1986, Larry wanted to go home with, go home from a bar with two women who weren't his wife and Margie did not grant their permission so Larry literally beat her within an inch of her, of her life. So they kind of had like, they were kind of swingers um, from what I gather, but um, I don't think Margie was so much into it as far as, as uh, Larry was, but he pretty much kind of did what he wanted and forced her to do it. So Margie was in the hospital and Larry got charged, and during court proceedings, Mar Margie's cousin Teddy said that Larry had molested her for years and even his own three daughters by tying them up one by one in the garage. Although this was never confirmed, so they must, you know, they must remain allegations because uh, Melinda and her sisters never, um, never confirmed him. But to be throwing around allegations of this person's assaulted, you know, molested me and his own daughters. I mean, I know people sit there and. And say this person did this and this person did that and they really didn't. But I feel like that type of allegation is too far-fetched to, you know, maybe not be um, plausible, especially when the person you're talking about is a violent person. 
At the age of five, she was taken to a hotel by an older gentleman, which was set up by the very church her parents had been going to as Larry being a preacher and Margie being a Sunday school nurse. Now, from what I gather, they you know, were the swingers and all this other violent stuff had happened. And then they just decided to clean up their act and, you know, go to church and all this other stuff. And he decided to be a preacher and she was being the Sunday school nurse. Um, you know, they denounced their old lives by drinking and swinging, which obviously didn't last long because they went back to their old ways. And how they did that was um, Larry assaulted someone at his church because he became a marriage counselor um, for some reason and um, he assaulted he assaulted someone and when it got brought to light they just kind of left the uh, the church and um, and uh, went back to their old ways but at the hotel Melinda would go through what was to be a five-hour exorcism I don't know what that and what that details I didn't they didn't say anything I couldn't find anything about what that you know what was going on but obviously it couldn't be anything good um, so like I said Larry would end up being a marriage counselor at the church and he tried to assault a woman and when he was faced with the situation he and Margie left the church and went back to their old ways of sex and booze and night and November 1990 things got worse Margie caught Larry peeping in on Melinda and her friend from school, and in a rage, she stabbed Larry and tried taking her own life once again. Authorities stepped in, and Larry left and moved to Florida, leaving Melinda torn between the two parents. After Larry left, Melinda would write letters to her father, telling him that she missed him, and at first, he would respond and write back, which was great. But then as time went by, she would receive less and less letters from her father, to the point to where he just never wrote her back and I couldn't imagine doing that to my children but you know some people were pieces of shit out there so when Melinda met Amanda Melinda said that Amanda reminded her of her father and it became a sort of addiction since Amanda gave her the love that her father never did Margie got a job and eventually remarried and Melinda would have a better life her stepfather tried to show Melinda that he wanted to be there for her and give her what he knew she never gotten from Larry. But she refused and would push him away thinking that he was just trying to replace her father. I feel like that's common in a lot of families. Uh, I'm grateful that it hasn't happened in, in my situation um, because I'm divorced and uh, I have a girlfriend and you know my kids love her to death, which is great. And I don't really can't really remember... A feeling that they were pushing her away because they were trying to because she was trying to replace her mom their mom but so like I said I'm grateful for that uh, Melinda's family would at first think that Amanda was just a friend who was who was a close friend and that would hang out all the time with Melinda but she eventually knew the gig was up when Mar Margie saw a hickey on her neck being open-minded, Margie eventually came around to the idea of Melinda's sexuality, but kids at school weren't so kind. Now, you got to think this is back in the early 90s, and things like that weren't um, so, so um, I want to say appreciated, but so taken in um, easily as they are these days. 
So being in the early 90s in the Midwest, it wasn't something that many people were very open about. Melinda and Amanda were not afraid to show their affection to each other in the halls of school, which other students would say things and make fun of them about it. Melinda was very much unbothered because all she was was happy to have something that she longed for and never thought that she would have in her life. But when Amanda started having the in-school detention with Shanda, they seemed to make up and become somewhat friends. Amanda had told Melinda that her and Shanda made up and that she actually liked Shanda and would often start bringing her up in conversations. Melinda came to school to Melinda came to school late one day for the sole purpose to be put in the school det detention with Shanda and Amanda so she could observe the two interact which she ended up not liking in the least. So I guess I don't know I don't know it's only a week long detention so I don't know how long you can how long it took for them I guess a couple of days they made up realized they weren't such you know terrible people. I guess, you know, Amanda realized that Shanda wasn't such a bad person and, you know, Shanda was obviously from the get-go wanting to get the approval of Amanda because she didn't like she didn't like not being liked. Um, and with that, Amanda would bring up um, Shanda constantly, I don't know about constantly, but often. So that gave Melinda a, uh, a bad feeling about Shanda, so she wanted to see for herself. <clears throat> um, Melinda watched both girls pass notes back and forth all day, and when Shanda went to turn in work at the front of the class, she noticed Amanda watching Shanda the entire time, not taking her eyes off her, of her for one second. At the end of the day, Melinda uh, stood outside of in-school suspension, waiting for Amanda to discuss her feelings on what she had seen the whole day, and when Amanda exited the room, Shanda was right by her side. The two walked up to Melinda, and Amanda introduced Shanda to Melinda, acting like they were BFFs. Later, back at Melinda's house, Melinda demanded to see the notes that Amanda and Shanda had been writing to each other all day. Ah, man, I remember writing notes back and forth to people. I miss those days. Now you just text. I mean, that's much easier, but... I, I, miss, I used to have a typewriter. I would typewrite letters that I would give to people, and they would be like, like, they would actually be, I don't know about oppressed, but they'd be like, man, that's pretty crazy. They, they never said that, like, oh, because of this, I'm not going to write you anymore. But it was just something different that other people weren't doing, I guess. Uh, when Amanda refused, Melinda forcefully took them from her. And according to Melinda, one of the letters from Shanda had said that she thought Amanda was quote-unquote cute. This sent Melinda over the edge, and she forbid Amanda from having anything to do with Shanda. Amanda didn't like to be demanded like this and knew that how possessive Melinda was and how she couldn't and how she even smacked Amanda just for looking at another girl. But <clears throat> Amanda decided to still see Shanda but would be done but Amanda decided to still see Shanda but would be done without Melinda's knowledge. On September 13th, Amanda wrote Shanda a letter apologizing for beating her up and offered to give her fighting lessons if she'd wanted if she would want her to help. Later in the letter, Amanda asks, quote, Do you like girls? If so, I think it's cool because it's so different. Is that why you're nice to me? Do you think I'm cute or something? Please tell me the truth. I won't laugh because I think it's cool. End quote. Three days later, Amanda wrote another letter saying, quote, Do you still like me? If so, I'm glad. 
I have a lot in store for you Friday and Saturday when I see you. Do you know what I mean? I'm just joking, or do you not want me to joke? Do you want to happen what I have in store? If so, answer back yes. P.S. I think I'm starting to like someone. You know her. End quote. I have no indication as to what Shanda had said back on that uh, in that letter. But Amanda wrote another letter, and this one stated, quote, What was wrong with you yesterday? You sounded so sad on the phone. What's on your mind? Last night, I meant everything I had said to you about making love to you. Shanda, you're so beautiful, hot, and sexy. I want you. I can't say it enough. End quote. Now, if you guys are following, these girls at this time are 12, Shanda, and 15 for Amanda. That, I, you know, I would honestly expect kids these days to talk like this at, at, the, at these ages, especially around 12, because kids these days have so much access to things that we didn't as a kid. Um, but this, what, all this is blowing my mind. This, I just, it's, I don't even know. I can't even put it into words, to be honest. But anyways, like I said, around this time, Shanna was 12, Amanda was 15, and both were under the age of 18, but there was still a significant age difference. So, uh, being over the age of 18, and if someone's like four years older than you at 22, it's maybe not frowned upon as much as a 12 and 15 year old talking like this. I don't give a damn how old you are if you're not 18, maybe even 19 or 20. Well, I guess 19 and 20, 18, 19, 20, you're legally an adult, but 12 and 15 def definitely should not be talking like this and carrying themselves like this. I, I don't even, I don't, I don't know. Maybe things were different back then. I don't. I don't know. I was, I was a young kid. I was eight, nine. Maybe, maybe not even that. I was born in '86, so this is 1990. I was about four years old, so I knew nothing of the world. But that didn't stop the two from taking things to the next level, like Amanda had promised when she had written in the letters the week prior. I don't get any details about exactly what they did. But after the experience, it seems Shanda had mixed emotions about what she wanted. Uh, and in a letter she had written uh, to Shanda, she expressed to her, quote, I had a really great time with you last night, and I'm looking forward to more. Please don't cry anymore, okay? Shanda wrote back, quote, I love last night, too. I want more, too, and always. I want what we had last night, if you want. End quote. <sighs> It was later discovered, after everything happened, that it was supposedly Shanda who had been the aggressor, and that she didn't do anything that Shanda hadn't wanted her to do. But we'll never know, will we, because obviously someone's dead in this. Uh, it has been said that Shanda had confided in a friend uh, that her and Amanda had done some things, and that Amanda had said that they're lesbians, but according to Shanda, she didn't feel that way, and that she must be bisexual because she, she liked boys more than girls. Melinda was hearing about all this stuff between Amanda and Shanda. And Amanda was just telling Melinda that Shanda was just a friend but always seemed to be around. 
calling each other, passing notes in the hallways, and you know things of that nature. Melinda wanted to get to know, or Melinda wanted to get into the note passing game and slid a note into Shanda's locker that quickly slid out of control. Melinda wrote, quote, Shanda, please don't be afraid of me, please. I just want to be your friend. I just don't like when you speak to Amanda when I'm not there. Like, why can't we all be friends? Yeah, why can't we all be friends? You act like you got something going on with her. Amanda and I are together. She loves me and I love her. She only wants to be friends with you. You need to accept that. I don't want you sneaking behind my back. And why don't you speak to Amanda when she's with me? You need to find a boyfriend because Amanda is mine and you can't even ask her. Please talk to both of us or you can forget about Amanda. You, me, and Amanda need to get together and have a talk and get this squared away. Then we can all be friends. Can you meet us at lunch? Your friend Mel. End quote. Amanda and Shanda didn't take Melinda's letter too seriously. They continued to see each other and when, when Melinda wasn't around. To the point that Melinda stopped Shanda in the hallway of school and threatened her to stay away from Amanda. Shanda clearly scared to death of the older Melinda. I think Melinda was actually older than Amanda. At, I think Melinda was actually older than Amanda. She said to stay away. She said that she would stay away, but Melinda had found something in Amanda's locker. A heart-shaped piece of paper that read, quote, Shanda loves Amanda. Melinda took it straight to Shanda, shoving it in her face and questioned her about it. Shanda denied making the paper, stating that it wasn't even her handwriting. Not believing a word that came out of her mouth, Melinda grabbed Shanda by the hair and told her again to stay the hell away from Amanda. Ah, women, girls, girl drama. Amanda ended up writing a letter to Shanda expressing her sadness and having to choose between the two that she really was in love with them both, and later standing, stating that Shanda's butt looked really good in the pants that she wore that day. Either Amanda didn't take Melinda seriously or was just liking the attention from both, Amanda had the balls to ask Shanda to the school dance, knowing Melinda would never, uh, would never go to any school dances. And actually she had plans with a friend to drink wine coolers that night. After having a few and becoming a crying mess about being a jealous person over Shanda and about how she was losing Amanda, she begged her friend that she was hanging out with to take her to the school dance so she confirmed what she already knew to be true. Once at the school, Melinda waited until the dance was over and she saw Amanda and Shanda together and proceeded to get out of the car and cause one hell of a scene. Slapping Amanda across the face and not wanting to give up the relationship again, saying that she would see uh, she wouldn't see Shanda again. So she's basically I don't know if she's drunk or buzzed or whatever. She goes to the school dance that she knows Amanda and Shanda are together, sees them together, walks up, smacks the hell out of Amanda, and again tells her to not, you know, to have nothing to do with Shanda. Um Melinda caught them together in school later and decided to break up with Amanda and Melinda became very depressed. One of Melinda's older sisters introduced her to a, another lesbian friend named Carrie in hopes that Amanda would find out and become jealous, to which she did, and she was very jealous. Long story short, Melinda and Amanda realized they wanted to be together, 
and agreed to break things off with Carrie and Shanda. But Amanda was telling Shanda that Melinda had put a spell on her and didn't know how to break up with her. Amanda also heard that Shanda was spending time with boys now too. Uh, two uh, boy, boys named Mike and Ray. They are no relevance to this, but their name was there, so I decided to put it in here. In mid-October, Amanda had written a letter to Shanda saying, quote, Melinda said she saw you flirting with some boys, and you better stop calling Ray when you like me. How do I know that? How do I know you don't like him if you are call, if you aren't calling me? I'm scared of losing you. End quote. Uh, seems like she became what she hated in Melinda, a possessive girlfriend who wanted Shanda all to herself. She wrote Shanda another letter saying, quote, I talked to someone who said they saw you standing next to someone who was a blonde-headed boy. So who was the boy? And don't lie. Quote. So this is quite the love circle. Melinda is jealous of Shanda because Amanda is all about Shanda. Now, Amanda is jealous of this boy because she wants Shanda all to herself. And Melinda still hates or is starting to hate Shanda because uh, Amanda... Uh, Damn, this is such a tongue twister. Melinda is starting to hate Shanda because Amanda is so infatuated with Shanda. Anyways, one day Melinda and Amanda decided to skip school and the principal called Amanda's father, Jerry, saying that she wasn't in school. So he decided to call Shanda's mother to see if she was with her. Jackie freaks out and said that Shanda better not have skipped school and actually called the school to confirm if she was there or not and was relieved when the school was able to do so. Deciding enough was enough, Jackie told Shana that she didn't want her hanging out with Amanda anymore due to her being a possible bad influence. Jackie wasn't exactly keeping Shana's father in the loop about everything, and he knew his daughter and Amanda were friends and okayed Amanda to come along on a, on, um, a family trip to the, fall, the town's fall festival. Wouldn't you know it, someone spotted Shana and Amanda and word got back to Melinda. She ended up telling a, a, a friend of hers, quote, Shanda is going to pay for this. She's ruining my life, end quote. The friend, who I didn't catch their name, said that Amanda was the one leading both her and Shanda on and that she was needed to be taught a lesson. Melinda agreed, and they devised a plan to get Amanda to meet up and get her in her friend's car, and Melinda would hide in the back seat. They would drive somewhere, secluded, and then... Melinda would spring into beating Amanda to teach her a lesson. The plan fell through when they got sidetracked and waited too long, and by that time, they tried to get Amanda out of the house. She was asleep and didn't even answer the door when they knocked. Shana's parents, Stephen and Jackie, could see a change in their daughter's behavior as the months passed. Shana had began to wear loose-fitting clothes. She didn't spend hours doing her makeup and... You know, her parents to come out perfection, to be perfection. You know, when she'd go out the house or even doing her makeup. Her academics started to slip and she didn't even want to do basketball anymore. Um, Jackie, uh, all Shanda wanted to do was sit in her room with the doors closed alone and not talk to anyone. Jackie even found a note in Shanda's room from Amanda telling her to forge her mother's signature on her report card so she wouldn't get any trouble for letting her grades slip. 
Jackie contacted the school and found out to be much worse than what it was. Shanda literally wasn't doing any work in her class or turning any homework in. Jackie brought all of this up to Shanda about all the deceit, the grades, her report card, and Shanda broke down and cried for being ashamed about it all. Jackie asked why she still hung out with Amanda and Shanda admitted that she was scared that if she didn't have Amanda at school to protect her, there was girls there who would want to beat her up. Obviously, Jackie questioned her about who the girls exactly were and Shanda replied, Melinda Loveless. Jackie asked Shanda not to see Amanda anymore and Shanda listened this time and it drove Amanda nuts trying to disguise her voice and calling the house to ask to speak to Shanda. Even going as far as using a third person and having three-way calling to where the other person would call and ask for Shanda, but it would be Amanda waiting to um, hear Shanda on the phone to speak to her. Jackie called on and decided to talk to Amanda's father, Jerry. When Jackie said that ever since Shanda had started hanging out with Amanda, that her grades went downhill and she started acting not herself. Jerry, Jerry replied by saying, quote, You know, it's funny, but every girl my daughter has ever been friends with, their parents would say the same thing, that they don't want their daughters having anything to do with mine. I just, I just don't understand it. End quote. Jackie then questioned Jerry if he had ever taken a closer look into the way Amanda dressed and carried herself, which was basically the opposite of a girl. She was very tomboyish. Her looks, she had a pretty face, but she dressed like a boy. Her hairstyle, you know, her hair was short, so she kind of looked like a boy. Jerry stated that he, he had already asked Amanda, and she said that she had a boyfriend, so it was definitely not possible, but he agreed to keep the two girls away from each other. One weekend while Shanda was at her father's house, Jackie found a note in Shanda's room to Amanda staying, saying, quote, I miss you so much and I will always love you no matter what happens. I miss the touch of your soft body. Quote, or end quote. Now on the back of this picture, um, it, was, it was Amanda's address. And as you'll see, um, Jackie immediately called Shanda's father to where she could overhear him talking about a letter that was found in the details containing what was written. Now this is uh, this. Now I don't think this was at the fall festival. This was another another point in time. Um, while her father was on the phone, Shanda called her stepmother over and asked if if you mail something out without a stamp, does it get returned? Her stepmother said, "Yeah." So when she heard the response, she went into damage control before her father gets off the phone, telling her stepmother that she wrote a joke on the back of a picture and sent it to her friend Amanda, but didn't know that she'd be taken seriously or not. Shana's father took her back home that same night, and an intervention was taking place about the, the quote-unquote joke. And Shana refused to confess that what was written on the picture was anything more than just a joke, and had and nothing had ever happened between her and Amanda. Jackie pleaded with Shanda and expressed her love and said that she could tell her the truth, but she still wouldn't admit it. Shanda, deep down, didn't think that her mother loved her due to all the stuff that she had been doing lately. Her grades were dropping. Um, her behavior was you know, not, not the way that it used to be. Uh, she felt, after being caught in trouble by, you know, forging her mom's signature and all this other stuff, she just 
felt that her mom didn't that she didn't deserve her mom's love. So, um, yeah, so she just wouldn't admit it, and she really was really beating herself up about it. The next day, Jackie and Stephen decided to take Shanda out of Hazelwood Middle School and enroll her into Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Stephen offered to pay half the tuition, and the principal was very helpful and allowed Shanda to start the very next week. Shanda was not happy about this move since she had to start all over at another new school. Uh, but Melinda, on the other hand, was thrilled. Although she was out of the school, she wasn't completely out of Amanda's mind. In a letter that Melinda had written to Amanda had said, quote, Why did you write her name on your effing folder? Now, I don't know whether it really said effing or if it said fucking folder. Um, I think maybe the resource that I found just isn't into cursing. I don't know. But uh, I, I would have to assume that Melinda would have said the F word. It hurts so much when I seen it. I didn't think you'd put her ugly name on your folder, but you wrote it. You must have liked her enough to have written her name. Why? Well, I'm gone. End quote. She really wasn't gone, but would continue to give Amanda a chances, chance after chance. Melinda would start to become very loving and apologize to Amanda, telling her that she was just jealous and petty and that she was just trying to be a better girlfriend. Even though Melinda was apologizing, Amanda would still be keeping in contact with Shanda. And Shanda thought she needed Amanda now more than ever because she was in a school where she knew nobody and had no friends. They planned to meet up to where Shanda's cousin, who was still a student at Hazelwood, will go to the school dance and take Shanda with her to meet up with Amanda. But when they arrived, they realized that Melinda had found out, of course, and both Melinda and Amanda were waiting outside. Amanda seemed to be, not be her normal self, and at that time, Melinda forced Amanda to tell Shanda that she didn't want to talk to her anymore, that she didn't like her, and that it was over. Then they both walked away, leaving Shanda crying in the middle of the parking lot. Melinda realized that it didn't matter if Shanda was going to the same school or a different school. Her and Amanda would still have contact one way or another. On November 26th, Melinda wrote to Amanda, quote, I am real mad at you. I feel like I need to cry. I want Shanda dead. End quote. Things started to come together for Jerry, Amanda's father, when he searched through her room and found all the letters that she had written to Shanda. After reading through some of the letters, they were pretty sexual in nature. He was in complete shock. Now with clearer eyes, Jerry called the county's juvenile probation officer, or the county's, yeah, Jerry called the county's juvenile probation officer to tell Melinda to legally stay away from Amanda or he would press charges of harassment onto her. Melinda blamed Shanda for all of this, that fighting between her and Amanda and now not, Amanda not being allowed to be around her anymore. Melinda started recruiting her friends and talking about how she wanted Shanda out of the picture and dead asking the best way to get rid of a body. Shanda knew it was completely over and made the best of it by making new friends and starting to play sports again and even had a boyfriend at her new school. She wouldn't even take Amanda's calls, which got Amanda, uh, which got Amanda to call Shanda's cousin to ask her what the hell was going on. The cousin told Amanda straight up that Shanda moved on, that she had new friends and even had a boyfriend. 
Amanda didn't take this very well and did another three-way call to where she was able to get Shanda on the phone and expressed her feelings for her and, and told her that she loved her to death still. On January 2nd, Shanda wrote a letter to her friend saying, quote, I can't take all this pressure. I wish she would just stop calling me and following me. End quote. When writing this letter, Shanda had no clue what was to come in the next couple days. Things that would change the lives of many people and would be dead in a matter of nine days after this letter was written. And I think that's where I'm going to stop at, uh, at episode one. So basically, you know, just a little background on these three girls so far. Um, Shanda, her mom has been married three times now. Now she's single. She's been in multiple different schools. And she starts a new school. Gets in a fight within the first few days with Amanda. They get in-school suspension. When they're in in-school suspension, they kind of like hash things out and become really close. But uh, Amanda is dating Melinda. And Melinda is very jealous. Somehow gets herself put in in-school suspension. Sees the interaction between Amanda and Shanda. And immediately starts to become jealous. And does everything that she can to get Shanda out of the picture. Because Amanda is just completely infatuated. And seemingly obsessed with Shanda. And it gets to the point where Shanda has to leave the school because of her influence from Amanda uh, basically went for the worst because her grades went down she stopped um, playing sports just her overall behavior just was was not the way it used to be um, Melinda was very jealous slapped Amanda you know when she found out that they went to a dance together and it got to the point to where Shanda had to be taken out of the school and put into another one. And even though that happened, her and Amanda would still be in contact. And that was then when Melinda realized that no matter what, Shanda will always be around unless she personally uh, was able to take her out of the equation altogether herself. So that's where I'm going to leave you guys. This is episode one. There obviously will be another episode. And... um like I said, it might be another, it might be three episodes at least. Uh, like I said, the resources that I have um, have just a lot of detail um, in the in the um, research that I found. So I'm I'm just going to bring all of that to you in my own words. Um, so I hope you like it. Stay tuned for uh, next next week's episode. I might try to put it out sooner since. You know, all of this goes together so that you don't lose uh, any knowledge that you've gained from this or, you know, any part of the story. So take this in, wait for the next next episode, and it will be out uh, as soon as I can get it out.